Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance. And I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Do you know the rules of the game? Yeah. Do you know the rules of the game? I don't care what color. Can you make me a hundred million? Let's talk money. Let's talk. Can you make me that? If you can't make me that, I won't talk to you. Hey, I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is broad money marathon. Do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on do what I want to do. Have kids, go live my chip and joy in the games life out here in Texas or struggle for next year. The choice is yours. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellar, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my co-host, Jake. How you feeling, bro? What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Jalen, man. Feeling great. We got bloopers going on. So it's a great episode, man. The energy is great, man. It's Saturday. Feeling lovely, bro. Ready to get this pod started. But before we get it started, we're just going to say, y'all, please rate, comment, subscribe. Leave us a review. Let us know how y'all feeling about the podcast. If it was inspirational, let us know. If y'all thought it was trash, let us know. We want to make sure that we're doing stuff to where we can get better. Like, just keep it honest with us. Keep it all the way funky. We your family, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yes, indeed. So with that out the way, y'all, we're going to introduce our guest for the day. So, y'all, we got another North Carolina A&T alum on the pod today. Good brother. Out of North Carolina, he is the owner of RTP Mobile Fingerprinting. Malik Ali. Malik, how you doing, bro? I'm doing great. How are you doing? 
Man, we man. doing lovely on this Saturday, man. It's glad to have you on. Like Jayla was saying, we had some great energy going before the pod. We excited for this episode, man. I know you're going to kick some game for the people for real. Will do. Yes, sir. And uh, like you said, once again, just appreciate you, my brother. And we're just going to hop right on into it. The way we start off the show is, for anyone who isn't familiar with you, how did you get your start? We know that you say you've been an entrepreneur since childhood. Can you kind of like go back into your story and just give us a little bit? How did you get started in entrepreneurship? All right. I want to say like third or fourth grade, I was, I mean, I'm a kid. I'm trying to buy toys and stuff. And, you know, your parents tell you, no, we ain't got the money right now. So you got to figure out how you're going to, you know, pay for the toys. So I started terrible business. I was selling paper journals. Like I would take construction paper, fold it, cut up loose leaf paper, staple it together, and was selling it as journals to my family, friends, and everything for like 25 cents. And they were supporting me. So I was making like $10. I pull up. They know I got the journals on me. They're like, yeah, Malik, we're going to sell these to our friends. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm about to take this money, buy me some toys. Very low cost. <laughs> Because I'm using construction paper from home. But that was one thing. And then, like, the next year, I got into origami. Um, a friend of mine brought, like, a gaming magazine and told you how to make ninja stars. I was like, oh, that's dope. So we're making ninja stars, throwing them at each other at recess. And then people like, we want ninja stars, too. So me and a couple friends, we started mass producing them. <laughs> we're making them in class and then selling it to them. So that's, like, the beginning of my entrepreneur journey. Hey, uh-huh. hey, that's dope though. Like even with the journals, because I can see like a need for that. Whatever kid comes in the class, I ain't got no paper to write on or something like that. Hey, my brother, look, get a journal. <laughs> Fifty cent, get, get exactly. that. Exactly. So it really wasn't too bad of a business model. Yeah, you see, oh, like, yes, you identify ideas like the basis of entrepreneurship. Young, so I kind of want to ask, like, were you getting into it so young? Like, how did your parents react to that? Like, were your parents entrepreneurs or like? So my mother's father, my grandfather and his, my step-grandmother, he has an electrician business and she has a bakery. She sells bean pies and I'm Charlotte, kills it, like kills it selling bean pies for Thanksgiving. She sold like, I want to say like 200, just Thanksgiving alone, pies. My um, grandfather sent me a picture of the truck. I was like, like, damn. I ain't never had a bean pie. They slap like she be getting it in with that. So that's where I got that from seeing my grandparents, you know, have their own business, not working for anybody like at all. So they just live how they want to live, do whatever. And then seeing that growing up, I was like, wow, that's what I want to do. I want to be an entrepreneur when I grow up. And then here I am. It's like, okay, I'm an entrepreneur now. Now what do I do? So fast forward, once you know you went from making your ninja stars and your journals. What did it look like? What was that next step for you for getting a little bit more serious and starting to understand the entrepreneurial side? Honestly, I stopped for the most part. School and stuff. Well, high school is not really much. <laughs> but um, so re- little rewind, like elementary school through high school, I was in summer programs like every year. I was in engineering programs, biomedical. I learned about STEM business programs mainly those three. Like I did a robotics one one year. And then that's how I, like the, my junior going into my senior year of high school, I was in the um, Summer Transportation Institute program, which basically tells you about transportation and business. So I was, well, most of these programs, first off, I was at a like most of my life. Got a full ride there because of, 
you know, my experience there, but the supply chain, that's how I learned about supply chain. I was like, wow, this is vital to business. Like you can't have a business without a supply chain. You can't get your products produced. You can't get them sent to your factory to, you know, label it and everything. You can't get them sent to your customers and reverse logistics, which is basically iPhones. For example, Apple will pay you to send them iPhone because they just going to reuse the parts to put it into the next iPhone. So that's what reverse logistics is. But that's how I got into supply chain management as a major going into ANT. And that's where I spent my what, last years doing between the entrepreneurship and then school and then graduating college and now working in supply chain management. And, so, and that's really, really interesting and really, really important because we talked about this off camera, just supply chain and people not even really know what's going into supply chain. A lot of times people think, you know, I just go to the store, I pick up the product and I walk out. But they're not thinking about the point from where it goes from factory or even where it's from from a raw raw good going to the manufacturer, then getting transported. So I definitely, definitely kind of want to dive in a little bit more. And can you just give people just the basics breakdown of what supply chain is? Okay. So supply chain is, I mean, getting a product from creation to the hands of the consumer. Simplest terms, that's all it is. Okay, and with you being interested in that, how are you able to use that with you becoming an entrepreneur? Because it's really, really important, even for just a regular entrepreneur, how would they use supply chain in their day-to-day saying, maybe I'm making t-shirts or maybe I'm a person who's doing beauty supply. How, how does that affect me in my everyday life? Because we've seen supply chain take strains with COVID. COVID, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. So let's use the t-shirts. So first off, you got to get the materials to make the t-shirt, pay whoever, you know, did that. You get the t-shirt to whoever's doing the print press and everything. And then, you get the t-shirt to you so that you can sell it to your consumers and everything that goes into that, all the, you might use an airplane, you might put it on a train freight or however, you know, the transportation in between that. So you got to put that into your costs. So. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. That's why a lot of businesses for t-shirts, for example, I mean, it's made in China, made in Vietnam or whatever, instead of made in the USA, because it costs more. It's cheaper labor there. You just, you put it in bulk, put it on a ship, because ships are a lot cheaper and sell it. You get it a couple months later, but the costs are cheaper as opposed to you got to pay minimum wage in America, get the transportation, you know, you got to actually pay the people, you know, like actual substantial amounts of money. And then you get it to you. So it might cost you like on a high, just throwing them to like $13 to get the shirt produced. And you still got to make a profit. You got advertisement. So you selling it for 40 and you may be like barely breaking even for that, depending on, you know, your cost structure and how much you put it in. Yeah, I'm glad you talk about that because it's important for people to understand all those different things. Because a lot of times whenever we, you know, we want to start businesses, that's something that a lot of people, you know, everybody says start a business, start a business. But that's part of the education <laughs> mm-hmm. that you need fundamentally to understand because 
whenever you're selling shirts, like you're saying, or selling any product outside of maybe digital products, yeah, you're going to have more cost than just one cost. Mm-hmm. You have the cost of acquiring, the cost of actually getting it there. Yeah, man, I'm glad you spoke on that. And I kind of want to talk now, like, with that, kind of want to get into some of your entrepreneurial journey. So, like, okay. what led you toward the mobile notary course from my brother Andre C. Hatch? Shout out to Brother Dre, man. Shout out to Brother Dre. So, <laughs> last year, I started my first job doing supply chain management. I'm on social media. I'm looking at Twitter. I see B. B. Jones. Yeah. yeah. Shout, shout out, to out to B, too. Shout out to B. Dog posted a $60,000 check. He's off t- <laughs> with the caption, just a week's worth of work. And I'm like, yo, I just got my first page. It's Friday, payday. I'm like, <laughs> 60 bands? I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> so I follow him. Well, shout out to Hugo. I don't know if y'all know Hugo. Yeah, shout out to Hugo, too. Stack <laughs> season, right? Stack season. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, going to that. I hit up Hugo. I've been in a group chat with Hugo for a couple of years. I'm like, yo, put me on to everybody on Wealth Twitter that you know. So I'm trying to get it moving. Follow everybody. I see B in his tweet. I'm like, yo, I need to be doing something besides my job. So then that's how I found Xavier C. Miller's podcast on Millionaire Mindset. So I'm listening to everything. I started from the beginning. I'm listening to every podcast. I'm like, what, what can I do? What business can I start? How can I make money? And I don't know what episode is like episode 17, 18 of it. And Andre C. Hatchett was on there talking about being a mobile notary. And then my grandfather, who's an electrician, he's a notary as well. But he talked to me about it. I was like, because the rules in North Carolina, you can only charge $5. I'm like, I'm not about to be doing business driving, charging $5. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's that bullshit in North Carolina. I <laughs> do not take apartments in North Carolina. <laughs> so that was like a couple months. I was like, yeah, I'm not, $5? I'm not about to do that. It costs like 100 just to become a notary. And Damn, then I'm listening to the like, Yeah. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. So I'm listening to the podcast. He's like, yeah, um, I got notary, fingerprinting, apostles, and you can make like $150 per appointment. I'm like, this ain't what I heard. <laughs> so I look into that. So I want to say that was like May, June. And then I was following everybody on the podcast. I listened to it. They spit their information at the end. I'm following them, trying to see what can I do. And then I see that he was having a sale. It was like a band. I was like, dang, I just started working. I ain't got the funds like that for real. <laughs> I went to Thailand before I started working. And then I put it on my credit card and accidentally paid it off. So I was like, damn, I'm missing like 1500 <laughs> um, And Conclave was coming up. Shout out to Cap Office Attorney Incorporated. That was in August. So I'm like, but I'm investing myself because if I'm making 150 per appointment, that's easily going to make my money back. And so I did that. I hit him up, sent him the bread, started listening to the course, watching the videos, got my website up, became a notary by the end of August, started my business in September. First client, $300. It was a doctor. They needed fingerprints. I was like, yo. <laughs> like, <"What?"> <laughs> and it cost me like $300 to start the business. So I'm like, I just made it back. Made it back. $1,300, $1,400 invested just, you know, to start a business and get education to start the business. And then I made $300 my first appointment. I'm like, all right. Yeah, I can, I can get down with this. Because my first... Like everybody on the podcast, you know, they've been doing stuff for years. They're doing real estate, they're selling products, doing whatever. I'm like, I need capital. I don't have anything. I can't just flip a house or even do marketing for wholesaling. So my main goal with the notary thing was to start getting capital so that I can reinvest it into other revenues, 
and businesses. And around what time was that? Around what time span? Just so we kind of have a time frame. What year was that? It was last year. Last um, year. So it started last year. Yeah. Heard the pie. Bought the course in, I want to say, July. Took the notary test in August. There was some issues with my mailing address and all that. So I got the notary license at the end of August. Got the website up like September 15th. Mm-hmm. Client, September 22nd, $300. Hey, turn up. And I kind of want to point out one thing because I like I like that you saying all this and bringing us through your journey because, you know, a lot of people listen to podcasts, a lot of people into this wealth space. But one thing you're doing consistently throughout your story that a lot of people, I need everybody to take with them is taking action, bro. Mm-hmm. Consistently took the steps toward it. Like, it's not just going to happen. Like, okay, man, the, the course of band, I don't know if I got it like that, but if I was going to go here, I can invest it in myself and build a business, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, taking that mentality, I kind of want to talk more to that. Like, how did you kind of transition from, you know, thinking like, man, this might not be worth it to, this is an investment in myself? Honestly, seeing other people making money. Because you see a lot, of, you hear a lot, all these college, high school dropouts becoming millionaires and billionaires starting their own businesses. I'm like, I just graduated college. I got a whole degree. Why can't I do that? Hey, that's the mental that it takes. Saying it, but also believing in yourself to know enough that, hey, man, they could do it for real. I could do this shit for real, too. And like he said, the action and the steps that you took, I also see it pulling back, though, from your earlier beginnings. You already knew that you can make money from nothing before. So mm-hmm. you probably was already in your head. It was like, man, if I really just do this, I'm going to do it. I, re- I see I've done it myself, but I also see my grandparents what they were able to achieve too. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure all of that was already building blocks that led to you coming upon these things and being able to say, okay, I'm going to take this and I'm going to start moving forward. For sure. And like like I said, I was listening to podcasts, you know, everybody talking about multiple streams of income. I'm like, I need, I'm not about to get a part-time job. (laughs) I hit up my grandfather, he electrician. In high school, I was in like electrician program. So I got like Mm -hmm. one or two certifications. I was like, shoot, I'm about to make some money being an electrician. And he told me, like, hey, you get $10 an hour starting out. I'm like, dog, I got a whole salary. I'm not about to spend my excess hours for $30. <laughs> I was like, I'm about to start a business. Now, that's the way to look at it, though, because a lot of people, <laughs> their opt-out is, I'm going to just get a second job. I'm going to go work more. I'm, I'm going to exchange my time yeah, for money. I'm going to either give up my time on the weekend or give up my time after I get off my other job and I'm going to go clock in some more hours at this other job. But they don't see the time trade-off that they're getting. A lot of people don't understand that time is one of our most precious resources. Mm-hmm. And you are able to take that time. It might have taken you longer than you expected. Like you said, you started off in June, July, and you worked all the way up until September. That was like, what, three, four months of work that you had to put in? Mm-hmm. But after that, you were able to make $300 in the same amount of time of people who would have been able to trade off more than a weekend. Like $300, mm-hmm. that's minimum wage in Louisiana. That's two weeks of work. Like, yeah. yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> that's oppression for real. And real talk. <laughs> I kind of want to fast forward. So, how did you carry that momentum forward after you got your first client? Can you kind of walk us through that? Like, what did that look like 
with you doing the fingerprints because like you said, you weren't doing the regular notary appointments because that shit only paid you $5. So how did you become specialized and figure out, okay, this is what I'm going to start doing from now on? The money. <laughs> Brother Dre talked about it in the course. He was like, yeah, you can make 150 to $300 per appointment. I was like, that's a lot better than five for a notary. Yeah, yeah. So I bought the materials, the fingerprint pads, the ink, the cards, all that, put the website up, put myself on Google Business, and then the phone started ringing. So, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to hop into more. So, like, with the marketing of it. So you put it on Google My Business and, like, that was your main source of marketing? Or, like, were you also doing different types of marketing for your, your notary service? That's been my only source of marketing since I started. All organic. I haven't, well, I did ask for a little bit, but it wasn't really doing anything because I'm the top, mm-hmm. like, for my business in my area. So there's nobody else, you know, you type in, I need fingerprints, I pop up. So there wasn't really much need for ads. So can we talk more about that? So like with the process of building out your website, obviously that has something to do with SEO. So like, can we talk to like, how'd you kind of get your site to rank higher and your strategy with your notary service? Cause you told us off camera, you local. Yeah. So initially, before I started the notary business, I was, I mean, like I said, I was listening to the podcast trying to figure out what I'm going to do. So <laughs> I started learning about coding for two weeks. I did like a trial thing. I was like, yeah, this is not it for me. I made a little website. I was like, yeah, no, barely a website. I just put my name on it, put a picture of me on there. I was like, yeah, this is not it. Then I started the e-commerce site where I'm selling AirPod cases. I'm about to relaunch that next year, but I just didn't know what I was doing. So you hear about SEO copywriting and all of that marketing stuff, Facebook ads. I'm like, okay, I need to figure out how to do this. So I applied the same SEO information to the fingerprinting and the notary. Think about it. When you're Googling something, you're going to type in exactly what you're looking for. So I'm going to put that on my website. You need fingerprints? I got fingerprints. You need a notary? I got, I can do that for you. What's up? Same thing with the apostles. Like people, I'm going to talk about that later about the apostles and everything, but people type in, I need an apostle. How can I get a pasta? How can I get fingerprints? Notary near me. I put all those words on my website. So that's what pops up. Mm-hmm. That's smart though. And uh, with the SEO for people who aren't familiar, it's just search engine optimization. And that's basically making sure that your site pulls up to the top every time something is searched. Like my brother said, he at the top already. So with him doing those type of things and him using those certain phrases, he was able to kind of like hack the search engine. Super organic traffic. Yeah, yeah. And it's really just understanding like how people think and how people kind of communicate with the search engine. And that's really dope that you were able to do that. So your first month, how many deals did you close? I'd say about, uh, my phone's off, but I'd say like four. Okay, so four moving in. And then because your story is really, really crazy. <laughs> Because moving in after that, you're picking up momentum. And I want you to talk about like how you were able to take that momentum from those four deals to you consistently doing five figure, 12,000 month deals, like back to back to back. Mm -hmm. How did you carry that out? System optimization and right place, right time, honestly, if we're being honest. So September, I made four deals, November, December. I brought in like $1,600 last year in total, which I mean, I made return on investment for what mm-hmm. I on the website, on the course. Cool. You know, it's a side hustle, but I got, I mean, I treated it like- Make your a, money back. 
Yeah, yeah, I made my money back. I'm treating it like a big business though. So I was in Sacramento for the Yes Honey Collective conference. I met Tirza, I met everybody there. Honestly, Rich, Xavier. We did meet over there then, bro. Cause I was over there. Yeah, I didn't really say much cause I mean, I'm just a notary. I, I'm trying to figure out what I am in business. So that identity thing, I'm like, yeah. Cause you know, they ask you, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a notary. I'm like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> so that's that January. I hit up Tirza in March cause I finally got enough money to afford services. So she helped with getting my systems in place using Dub Sato. And because I was, I was tired of people calling me or emailing me. And I had to calculate the price, calculate the mileage and all this. Like, I'm, I'm working. I have nine to five. I don't have time to pick up the phone. You tell me what you need. I calculate it. I send it to you. I got to create the invoice and all that. I'm like, I need a system in place so I can still work my nine to five and get these appointments out the way. So I hit up her. Um, we got that situated. March, COVID hit. So I used the system most of March. I didn't do anything in April. I come back May. I'm like, okay, I want to hit 10K total revenue by the end of May. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> end of May, I hit 12K in May alone. I'm just like, yo, what? <laughs> so the marketing is really what, I'm looking at the analytics for my website on Google My Business. What are people typing in? Fingerprints near me notary near me, like I was saying earlier. So I implemented more of that on my website. And with the shutdown, a lot of the competition were operating. And by the competition, I mean police departments because they do fingerprints. So everybody's calling me. Every, everybody's calling me. I'm blowing my phone up. Like I said, I wasn't working in April because I was like, there's a lot of contact with people not trying to risk catching COVID or anything. I'm declining calls left and right. <laughs> I get back in May, you know, first week, I had an $800 day and I'm like, I used to have going into January, I hit like a $700 month. Like I was averaging $700 a month. Then I had an $800 day. I was like, yo, this is a lot of work. I have a nine to five. I'm working and I got to leave work, drive around Mm -hmm. different cities back and forth. Boom, boom, boom. Hit three, four appointments. But that felt good. I mean, you have an $800 day. It changes your mindset on things. And then I, one of my clients turned into an agent. So then he goes on appointments for me because I was like, yeah, I can't do this by myself anymore. I need to delegate tasks so that I can, you know, do what I do at work and, you know, make my money with my business. So I raised my prices <laughs> so I can afford to pay somebody and still make money on my end. Mm-hmm. And because nobody else is competing against me. <laughs> and that's crazy. And I like I love it because it's some very, very important parts in there. Yeah. One, you're willing to. Like you said, you were treating it like a big business from mm-hmm. the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that stood out to me the most, because a lot of times people get into, oh, it's just a side hustle. I just need to do this for a little bit. But they don't understand that that side hustle can have a great impact on their life and actually mm-hmm. make a change. But mm-hmm. you got to treat it like a big business. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you were able to say, OK, I'm treating this like a big business off the rip. Like, and then you visualize and you say, you know what? I want that 10K. And then you blew the 10K out the water. And you was like, I'm about to just keep on going. And it's crazy how you were able to still raise your prices and then still keep on retaining customers mm-hmm. and still started paying people. So now you didn't reach your goals. Now you're actually putting money into another person's pocket. So now you're actually helping supply and giving someone else another job. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, 
it's crazy to see how you were going from averaging, like you said, $700 a month to now you're able to employ someone full time and still keep on making your bread over and over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Malik, with that, with you growing it out like that, I mean, you're getting hella leads. You got one person to do it or you started scaling out with like a whole team of people? I just have one person. I mean, we get like five, at most five clients a day, but that was peak, like May, June, when I hit the 12K months. Like we had 18 appointments one week, paid them like a bill. But I raised my prices enough so that, you know, we're making good money with lesser clients. But still, I mean, we still get bigger clients every once in a while, like businesses, which are my favorite clients. And I have a contract with retirement home because they need fingerprints for their employees. So every, like, she hit me up Friday. She's like, yeah, can you come next Monday, whatever time? (laughs) <laughs> I see, see my agent. I was like, can we do this? He was like, yep, bet. Cool. We good to go. So he takes care of everything. He's a um, retired vet. So he's on point with everything. Like he sends me my statements every week. I pay him. Boom. We good to go. Like I said, he was a client at first. So he knows how much I'm making and how much he's getting paid because he's getting paid well. I mean, you're making what, $200 an hour of your time. She can't complain with that. <laughs> can't complain with that. <laughs> and I like how you said your clients, because I was just about to ask you, like, who are your clients who's getting these mm. fingerprints for mm. anyone who would be interested? Like, who needs fingerprints or like, who's the people you see across the board getting the most consistent? It really, a lot of people need fingerprints. I didn't know that starting now. So I'm getting lawyers, nurses, mortgage worker, mortgage, like businesses, companies. Like I had one the other week, nurses, life insurance sales people. I had a big, huge client. In May and June, when I hit 12K month, a call center, they selling Medicaid on the phone. So it was like 20 people who needed two fingerprints each. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So doctors, a lot of doctors, because, you know, background checks. It's primarily for background checks. People who need concealed carry weapons. Um, when everything shut down, everybody getting guns, so they need concealed carry licenses. They hit me up. But now my clients, my target audience are people who... I'm targeting businesses now. I want people who are paying for convenience because my prices are premium prices. Like I'm pulling up the same day. I need like $200. Well, I'm not pulling up. My agent pulling up. (laughs) The business needs $200. And I mean, they don't haggle or try to, you know, he do so-and-so like he do one. Businesses just pay that money. Yeah. They just, you take um, American Express. I sure do. Cool. (laughs) Write that off. Hey, man, and I love it because, like David said, I also have a notary signing service. And, man, I deal with some bullshit-ass people, bro. Them auto title man, transfers. I, I hate people who call me asking for auto transfers, man. They want me in the next 30 minutes. And now, I need you now. Bro, it's 9 o'clock. What you mean you need me now? And you don't want to – they only want to pay $25. I'm like, how the hell you expect me to be there in 30 minutes and you only want to pay the bare minimum? And that's, I'm glad you mentioned that thing about changing your prices as well, because that's something a lot of black business owners specifically we scared <laughs> to do. We think we have to offer the lowest rates, mm-hmm. but with you picking up your rates, that helped you look better to your target audience. Whenever you got those low rates, you were trying to like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of want to ask, like, with you in this business, doing this 12K in the middle of this, man, I was just thinking about it, like, it's really recession-proof, bro. Like, sure. Pandemic. <laughs> Pandemic-proof, recession-proof. <laughs> Hell yeah. 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 
So with that said, what are your plans with the nine to five right now? Because I know you said you're still working the nine to five with this business that you're growing out on the side. What's your plans with it now? I mean, I plan to leave eventually soon. I'm looking, well, I'm not looking, I'm becoming an insurance adjuster. We can go into that later. You know what's up, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got my insurance adjuster license too. Oh, nice. Okay, so I spoke with my CFO yesterday. We went over everything. I just hired him. I made more than my salary. First year of business. Damn. Hold on, man. <laughs> hey, man. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. Sometimes making 20 bands a year will keep you from making 20 bands a month. For sure. Just saying, Thanks. bro. For sure. For sure. Because, like, some weeks I'm depositing my bi-weekly paycheck to my bank account. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but but the reason I ask that is because, like, whenever uh, we were asked to talk about it earlier, you mentioned that one of the main reasons you keep it a nine to five for the time being is so that you could take the business profits and reinvest it for cash. Oh, sure. Um, I kind of want to speak to that, yeah. Okay, so I didn't touch, personally, I haven't touched my business money. My business money is the business money. So I'm using that to buy courses, learn different things. Like I bought a lot of courses. I'm learning stock options. What else? Insurance adjusting. I'm in Hypernova. I pay for that. Um, I'm in Hugo's group. So I'm using that money. I'm reinvesting so I can make more money outside of my job. So I'm using my job money to pay the bills, get family stuff, go out to eat, get groceries. Like I stopped paying like I was when I first started the business you know startup costs you I'm taking some of my paycheck I'm putting that into the business now it's just the business paying for itself the business paying for my next businesses so that's where I'm at with that and my nine to five you know keeping benefits and all of that consistent money health benefits health insurance all of that good stuff and you know just leveraging that until it's time to jump shift and I love how you're taking that to reinvest in those courses and things like that too mm-hmm. because you're able to write that off now. Mm-hmm. Just like, I, I found that out. I was like, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting all the courses. <laughs> I'm going to learn everything. Everything. But it's so crazy because, like, you're making bread, but you're also spending that money to make more money. And a lot of people don't understand that's how you play the game. The business owner, is like, being a business owner is the ultimate it's, hack. It is a big hack. Oh, and no. we talked about it on the last pod. Like, people want to take their profits out too early. They start a business in order just to try to get out of a current situation. They instead start a business, yes, instead of looking at it for a long run, they want this, this business to start making money for them now so they can leave the job two months down the road. But that's how you kill your business off the jump. Off because the you're lying about it. You're using your profits to pay rent and feed yourself. But I think that's where the mindset comes in because initially I start my business, I'm getting capital. I'm using this revenue to start a bigger business. But- a lot of people, but what I've seen, they started side hustle because they need money. They need an extra two, three hundred dollars to get groceries for their kids. And they're not reinvesting their money. They can't reinvest their money. They need to eat. So I think, I mean, I'm leveraging my job so that I don't have to deal with that. But that's also it's a mindset thing and a situation thing. And you're right. It is like a situation thing because some people do need it and mm-hmm. some people's situations are different. But if you can hold out, don't pull the profits out because like you just got to build it up to where it's stronger. You keep on putting that capital back in. Like my brother said, man, start buying those courses or even whenever you have to start buying supplies for Buy your business. Yeah, like 
you can do all of that through your business, lower your taxable income, and it's just going to help you out in the long run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to go back to the apostille too, man, because you talked about it. Is the apostille the same as with the fingerprint? You can charge more than that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I had a $2,000 client the other month. <laughs> for one apostille? No, nah, it was like, okay, so it was like 20-something documents. And for people who don't know what apostille is, it's like an international notary. That's literally what it is. So, for example, somebody might need a power of attorney because they have real estate in Spain, for example. A regular notary is not going to work for that because you got to get that to the Spanish government and, you know, like, what is a regular notary? You in North Carolina, we need the state, we need the federal approval for us to recognize it. Okay, you gave this person permission to sell this house in a different country. So going back to my $2,000 client, my website has been down for a while. I got to get that put back up. Technical difficulties with that. They called me. They're like, yeah, it's a business. They, we said, we need 20 documents, um, a still for our company because we're expanding. I think it was like a pharmaceutical company. They're trying to go to India. So <laughs> for the first apostle document, it's $100. And then $75 for every additional document after that. So, and then I pulled up on them. They was like two hours away. So I charged them <laughs> like a $300 travel fee just for me to pull up, take their documents, ship it, and ship it back to them. Ship it to the Secretary of State and then ship it back to them. Fully filled out. Two bands. Damn. It's so, it's so niche, though, that, like, whenever it's that specific, I guess you can charge that much more. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, not everyone's doing apostilles, and not everyone has the knowledge about apostilles. There's a lot of people who get in the notary game. They just think, oh, I'm going to just sign auto titles, or I'm going to do this and that. But yeah. they don't understand that there's some good money out here that you can do, too, with mm-hmm. the apostille stuff. Like, that game's crazy. I really but, thought apostille was the same thing as a notary. Honestly, I did not have the, nah. the knowledge that this was different. Yeah. But, but like he's saying, you're also dealing with a different target and a different mm-hmm. demographic, too. Because I remember, my fir- yeah, I remember my first person, though, it was a Spanish-speaking person who needed apostille. It was mm-hmm. a birth certificate. They were trying to do something with school. And it was kind of hard, like the language barrier and stuff. But after taking Brother Dre's course, like he prepares you, he tells you, you know, what you have to do, what you have to say to him. And as long as you can provide value and make people know that you know what you're talking about, because a lot of times with this notary thing, a lot of people just looking for help. They're looking for something. That's That's all it is. And all you have to do is be able to provide that value and give them those answers and make them feel comfortable. Like, oh, this person knows what they're talking about. And mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, you're going to get the business. Mm-hmm. Like, and to piggyback off of that, like you're helping people. And it's like, really, like you can see that you're helping people. Like I got an apostille request a couple months ago. Dude in Korea, his visa about to expire. He about to get deported from Korea because his visa about to get expired. COVID, he can't do nothing. He calls me. He's like, yo, I need to go to my school. I'm going to give you permission to get access to my transcript. I'm going to send you a copy of my birth certificate get these apostille and then send these to me so that I can stay at work in Korea. And like you said, that's a big ass help. Yeah, man. Yeah. This is his livelihood. This man sent you his personal like information that's really, really vital. But like you said, you helped him out of that situation. And guess what he's going to do next time someone else says, hey man, I need this type of service or something. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the first person that comes up in their mind? Oh, it's easy. They're calling me. 
They call it me. And same thing with the fingerprinting. Like I get a lot of CEOs. I'm in a very business popular area in North Carolina. <laughs> like one guy who, it was a logistics company, do offer me a job there. I'm doing fingerprints for him. He's like, yo, you, he's like, what do you do? I said, I do this part-time, I do my job. He's like, oh, we do logistics. You want a job here? I was like, I mean, no, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm trying not to work <laughs> for anybody right now. <laughs> but it's little things like that. And then, uh, he was a repeat customer because he moved up. I can't really tell the company or whatever, but he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was up there. Like and he owned his own company on the side. And his secretary hit me up and was like, yeah, so-and-so told us about you. He needs fingerprints again. All right, cool. Pull up. Boom. Building that relationship. I love repeat customers. Yeah, you're building mm-hmm. that relationship because you're giving them good quality service and you provide mm-hmm. solutions. Mm-hmm. So before we move on, I kind of want to ask, because you also talked about that contract with the nursing home. I was going to ask about contract. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how do you secure people into longer-term deals whenever you've probably done one or two good appointments? How do you kind of pitch that to them? Honestly, they pitched it to me. I didn't even think about that. I was, when was that? I was like July. I just had a 12K month. I was like, cool. I'm organically doing this. I don't need to reach out to anybody right now, but I'm about to start doing this. But they hit me up. They was like, yeah, um, with everything shut down, we can't get fingerprints for our employees like we used to. So we're going to get you on this 1099, get you to sign this vendor agreement. So we go straight to you. And then that's how that popped up. So it's like three different, their community, three different um, retirement homes. So I use that. So I'm about to reach out to like <laughs> all the retirement homes in the city. <laughs> no, real facts though. Show them your portfolio. Like, hey, look, I'm already working with them. Mm-hmm. They already know who the best is. You can check the record. <laughs> hey, that's hard, man. That's really, really dope, bro. Definitely. So I kind of want to go now, like, because I want to know more about the contracts, but I also want to know more about the automation. Just like some of the things, like, I know you got help from T with it. But like some of the things on the back end that like help streamline some processes with this notary thing. Cause I know oh. you mentioned like, you don't want to have to talk to all these people and like qualify your leads with that. Like, so yeah. Yeah. So starting off, my prices are on the website. You're not going to call me and not know what I'm, what I'm drawing to you. But then along with that, I'm getting emails, calls. Hey, can you do this? Are you open now? Da, da, da. I need so-and-so. I'm like, bro, I don't feel like dealing with this right now. I'm chilling. I'm just trying to see that you paid me. And then, all right, cool. I got to pull me. I got I to reach out to you. So with the automations, big shout out to Tirza. Major shout out to Tirza. She's the reason my business is the way it is right now. T is the GOAT. If y'all don't know about oh, that lady there. Killing it. So I hit her up. I'm like, I can't keep doing this. It's just me. I didn't plan on getting an agent at the time, but it's just me. So she set me up with Dub Sato. I told her what I needed from the workflow. The workflow is basically, they put in the information, what goes into that. They get an invoice, they get an email, they get a calendar invite, da, 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 da. So I told her I need, collect their phone number, email, um, how many cars they need, where they at. That's an apostle call. Um, I'm not gonna take that right now. <laughs> um, Making money on the pod, man. <laughs> yeah, get that damn course, man. <laughs> Hey, go ahead though. So she set me up completely. So they just click on the website, click to book an appointment. They fill out all their information, pay me. I don't go on an appointment without getting paid. I don't schedule an appointment without getting paid. So they pay me. It sends an email out to my agent. He contacts them. He sets it up on the calendar. I see it on my calendar. Okay, he got an appointment. It was so-and-so at whatever time. Boom. 
and then he completes it, he gets paid at the end of the week. Hey, I love it, man. Once again, shout out to T, bro. And I got to connect with it. I need some help on my stuff. <laughs> I need it. I'm tired of getting these damn calls from these people who my time, bro. Pandemic proof, man. I love it, man. I love it. I just love it. The man just got the call on the pod, man. I love that <laughs> you shit. You should have answered it, man. Hello? <laughs> 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 yeah, man, that's gonna be about three hundred dollars. <laughs> Click. <laughs> hey, I love it though, bro. Definitely, definitely, kudos to you though, my brother. My brother's out here killing it. He's shining, bro. Uh, I don't think I had any other parts to go in. What about you, David? Ah, uh, trying. Nah, we could go ahead and pivot to what's on your timeline. So, yeah, man, we- you got anything you wanted to touch on before we pivot? Um. Stay in your lane, business-wise and life-wise. You don't even got to worry about everybody else for real. Because a big issue with me starting off was, like I said, I was into the podcast. I'm seeing these millionaires, people killing it. I'm like, yo, I, nigga, I'm about to hold stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you, you making what, doing what? I'm trying to do everything. But at the same time, like, I'm running my business. I'm working my nine to five. Like, I was running my business. Like, I'm getting off. I'm going on appointments. I don't get home till, like, eight or nine. I'm driving, I'm doing appointments. Like, that gets tiring after a while. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I need to automate this so that, like Andre said in his podcast, you got to fire yourself. So I take myself out of it. That's my goal for next year, to take myself out of it completely. But that's after I hit, like, six figures so that I can pay a VA or whatever in my all the agents. But I'm definitely hitting six figures with this business next month, next year. Speaking uh, of- <laughs> I like how next month. <laughs> my brother gonna hit that first five months <laughs> for sure but yeah definitely stay in your lane because there's a lot of stuff out here Man. and that's what was killing me because like i'm in hypernova now i'm in hypernova i'm flipping stuff <laughs> i was flipping ps5s i got my family a ps5 and mine for free because the profits from selling the other ps5s but i'm in hypernova i'm learning stock options trading and just doing different avenues where i can do this, boom, 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 get out, continue about my day, still got my business going, doing my nine to five, but nothing's, you know, colliding with each other. And can you also let them know how old you are, my brother? Oh, I'm 23. My birthday next month. I'll turn 24. <laughs> hey, man. Shout out, man. The young boss, man. My brother out here really just bossing up, doing some great things. And I just, I ask you to say that because I want people to know it don't matter what age you are, as long as you put your mind to it. And really just stay focused. And like you said, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. Give it your all. Like, you can make something pop. You just have to really just follow the T. Don't, if someone gives you the blueprint, follow it. Don't differentiate from it. Don't try to put your own swag on it. None of that. Follow the damn blueprint, bro. And like my brother was saying, it's always about your focus. Brother Dre talked about that, too. You can't build them all at once. Mm-hmm. You do. Focus, like, okay, I'm putting my time here now. I'm putting my time there now. I'm building my time there now. Like, you can't be distracted in all of them. Mm-hmm. You got to, like, give them their time to grow, and then you branch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying with the reinvesting, like, I'm launching my personal brand, um, traveling business and lifestyle. So it's just me. I'm trying to monetize <laughs> stuff that I do so I can get paid for and have that stuff be free. So I'm doing that, relaunching my e-commerce and then just reinvest in everything. Hey man, I love it, dog. So look, we're gonna pivot to the last section and we'll talk about what's on your timeline. What's something that you saw? I know you're familiar with it. So what's something you wanna talk about that you've seen? 
What's really big right now in my timeline is the 31 days of investing with Hugo. That's not invest with Hugo, but you know, Hugo started. So basically that's initially started with, you could save 10K a year by saving $27 a day. So Hugo took that and was like, yo, we're just going to invest all of December, $27 a day into whatever crypto stocks, fractional shares. You don't even got to buy a whole share with M1 pies and all that. So that's really big on my timeline because people don't know that you can invest for $27. They think you need 10 bands so you can buy like three Amazon shares and make like $200 every time it go up a few dollars. But there's more stocks than that. Mm-hmm. So that's really big seeing the new people investing and just not spending their money on nonsense. I like that. And see, I had saw the 31 days of investing, but I didn't know the yeah, whole I wasn't familiar with it. With it really. I didn't know the whole premise like behind the that's dope. $27 a day and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, really dope, man. We got to get Hugo on the pod, man. Hugo uh, out there doing some dope shit. Your audience handle Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. It, it is what it is, man. <laughs> keep it raw, keep it real. It don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. But yeah, bro, we just want to say thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm just thinking about one second. What, what you, what you that $27 a day concept, I just want to talk more on that. Because like, people don't even think about it. Like, you don't even have to start at 27 bro. You can start at 5 You can start at like 10 You, you don't have to eat out. Some, you spend money on eating out that you can use to invest. <laughs> you spend money every day. Exactly. If you could... One thing I know when I first started, like if I was like, uh, if I'm gonna spend money like twenty dollars on some some bullshit, I could take twenty dollars and put it in stash or something like that. Like mm-hmm. it's something simple like that. That's really starting like how you can really start reconditioning your mindset. It starts with the mindset because you can save ten k, but in my opinion, it's easier to earn <laughs> to make ten k than to save ten k because to save ten k or saving any golden amount, I mean, you have your nine to five or whatever. You, there's a set amount of money that you're getting paid. You got bills and expenses. You got to live. You can't just put all your money into saving because you can't do nothing that way. Yeah. That's really like facts. The earning versus saving, it's also just that slow roll because you'll be putting money here. Then you look at the account. Oh man, I thought I was going to have more than that. So then it kind of like discourages you. Then you just go on and you forget about it, start taking it. You know what? I'm going to just fall back into my routine. I'm going to go eat this Chipotle this day, do this this day. But like you said, if you discipline your mindset and say, you know what? Let me add up how much money I've been spending on food. You might want to start taking that money that you would have spent a week on food and start investing that. Start cooking at home. Start making you some sandwiches. Eat you some ramen if you have to. But it's all about the delayed gratification of what's going to be paying you more in the future. That's really what it's about, the delayed gratification. Like, <laughs> last year, <laughs> I wasn't eating out. Like, I mean, I got a nice salary and everything. I'm eating, I'm cooking rice and air fried chicken and <laughs> vegetables <laughs> having that for lunch and dinner. <laughs> hey, it be like that, though, man. And I remember whenever I was at my sterling job, too, I, same thing. The chicken. And David had made a very prominent point to me. Like, people will talk about you for bringing food from home. Like, why are you not going? Yeah, like, like, like you crazy or something. Like, yeah, like, no, food. Man, why lunch, are you spending all your money on this damn food? Lunch only yeah. $7, man. You can't spend $7. That add up quick. <laughs> exactly. $7 over five. We're getting paid 14 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Math ain't <laughs> you hustling backwards now. <laughs> Shit. 
Yes, yeah, indeed. man. I love the mindset that you have, my brother. And I can't wait to see more things that you got coming, dog. And definitely just wish you the most on your journey, bro. For sure, for sure. So, Malik, my brother, man, we got to ask you. I know the people that are excited and heard your story. Can you please plug yourself in and tell them, like, where they can learn more about you or, like, how they can reach out to you if they want to know more? All social media, Twitter, Instagram. My at is Big Malik Moves, B-I-G-M-A-L-I-K-M-O-V-E-S. I'm launching my personal brand hopefully next month. I'm working on that. So you can definitely find all my information on there. So that's going to be MalikMoves.com. And that's just, you're going to get travel, business, and lifestyle. So with the business, I'm really focusing on people my age, people younger, people in college, because that's where, I mean, that's my friend group. That's people I know. And helping them see that you don't have to just work a nine to five. You can invest. You can start a business on the side and just change people's mindsets and motivate them that way because they know me. So they can see, oh, I went to school in the league. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you got you making 12K a month. I can do that. That's what I want to be for people. And then with the travel, I travel all the time. I would have been in Africa right now, but COVID. <laughs> yeah, I love it, bro. I heard about whatever you said, Thailand, too. We talk about it off camera, though. Okay, bet. But yeah, because I was studying abroad. I went to Spain, Greece, and China when I was undergrad. And I'm on Instagram and Snapchat. <laughs> I was on Snapchat and Instagram like, yo, I'm out here doing da 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 with I'm looking at I'm with the tigers. People looking at me with tigers. I'm like, yo, I want black people doing this. So I'm in my school speaking to, you know, upper class and lower class and then people coming into school about studying abroad, high schoolers. I get they hit me up email, can you come and speak to these high schoolers and tell them about your experience studying abroad? I'm like, I want black people abroad instantly, but not with COVID, but yeah. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, I wanted to go study abroad too whenever I was an undergrad, but I had that little fear. And also was like, I don't know if I got like the money and shit, but I should have definitely fucking took it. Hey, facts, because that's the only reason I got student loans right now. Because <laughs> like I said, I had a full ride at a for supply chain management, but then I went to Spain for a summer and I don't got the full ride. I mean, I had, <laughs> it was like 12 bands I had to pay. I mean, my student loan is not that bad compared to other people. Yeah. It was worth it, the experience. Hey, man, and that's all that matter, bro. Like, you get to experience, and like you said, you opening up those doors and breaking down those barriers and letting Black people know, like, we don't have to be confined to the hood. And even if you go to school, you don't have to be confined to that. Like, there's so much more opportunities that are so out big, there. Man. Too big. The world is too big. Hell, <laughs> uh, yeah. What was that in the back of you, man? Where, where you at, bro? Man, see, I wanted to go to Hawaii for my birthday, so I'm in Hawaii now. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm stacking yeah, my. I mean, they're actually paying people to go live there now. Yeah, man. Like, no, like they paying <laughs> airfare and they paying you to live oh. there for a little while. Oh, I'm about to tap in with that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Well, look, Malik, my brother, we are so happy that you came on today, man. It's been a great episode. Before we wrap this thing up, man, we're going to just hop into a couple house cleaning items. As always, everybody, thank y'all for tuning into the podcast week in and week out. We do this thing for y'all, so make sure y'all give us some feedback. Let us know how uh, we can improve, what we doing well, what we not doing well. Like my brother said, y'all keep funky with it, man. We don't need y'all to sugarcoat. Y'all also check out our course, Credit Fundamentals 101. If you're looking to get your credit together, it's definitely the course for you. Um, we walk you through, it's not credit repair, we walk you through the understanding of credit, like your actual education so that you can build it yourself. And also, 
Yo, check out Brother Dre's course. We yeah. talked about it several times in this episode. We're going to have that link down in the show notes for y'all. It's definitely an income opportunity. It is pandemic proof. It's recession proof. It's definitely an opportunity. Jalen, you got anything? Uh, nah, just get our book too. Get our book, Manage Your Money Like the 1%. It's a step-by-step guide to just overcoming and taking back your financial situation. We break down certain situations of how you can really just understand what's going on, budgeting. We have our free budgeting spreadsheet that's attached with it. So you can actually get a scope of what your life is like and what your money is like, what you're doing, spending your money. So y'all definitely, definitely get that resource. And besides that, I ain't got nothing else, man. Be on the lookout for Black Wolf Renaissance Academy, EWR Academy. Well, with that said, y'all, this is Black Wolf Renaissance. Signing out. Peace. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is run money marathon. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.